Welcome to the Clinical Education Initiative podcast, Conversations with CEI, where we feature conversations with clinical experts, their experience and insights on current health issues in the areas of HIV, primary care and prevention, sexual health, hepatitis C, and drug user health. My name is Lauren Walker, and I'm the director for the Hepatitis C and Drug User Health Center of Excellence at CEI. On today's episode, I'll lead us in a discussion about the newly released New York State Hepatitis C Elimination Plan with two people who played critical roles in its development and finalization. Hepatitis C is a major public health issue responsible for more deaths in the United States than all 60 reportable infectious diseases combined, including HIV and tuberculosis. It infects about 25,000 people each year, most of whom don't know they're infected and are at risk for developing chronic infection. In New York State alone, over 6,000 cases of hepatitis C were reported in 2019. To address the threat, community organizations partnered with the New York State Department of Health and the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene to build consensus on eliminating hepatitis, and in March 2018, the state announced its commitment to the task. Following the announcement, a hepatitis C elimination task force was established to review, update, and enhance the recommendations for statewide plan to eliminate hepatitis C. On November 17, 2021, the New York State Hepatitis C Elimination Plan was released, and in today's episode, we'll talk about this momentous achievement and what it means for public health in New York State. I'm pleased to introduce today's two guests, Dr. Christine Kerr and Annette Gaudino. Dr. Kerr is board certified in both internal medicine and infectious disease, currently a team lead and infectious disease specialist at Galileo Health. She has also worked for over a decade at a group of federally qualified community health centers as a medical director for HIV and hepatitis programs. Dr. Kerr has a broad background, including complex care of patients living with chronic illnesses, as well as expertise in quality assessment and improvement and infectious diseases of all types, particularly HIV and hepatitis. She served as the community co-chair for the Hepatitis C Elimination Task Force and the co-chair for the Quality Advisory Committee for HIV, both for New York State. Dr. Kerr is Chair Emerita for the Hepatitis C Guidelines Committee, a member of the HIV Medical Care Criteria, and co-author of Treatment of HIV in Primary Care Settings with the AIDS Institute and Johns Hopkins University Guidelines Program. She lives in the Hudson Valley with her family. Hi, Dr. Kerr. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having us, Lauren. We're really excited to be here with you and Annette, and it's really exciting to be able to talk about this today. Absolutely. Annette Godino is the Director of Policy Strategy for Treatment Action Group and works to advance hepatitis C, tuberculosis, and HIV elimination efforts in the United States and globally, with special attention to the needs and human rights of people who use drugs. She provides strategic guidance and capacity building to partners, advocates for domestic and global funding, and contributes to Treatment Action Group's policy work on access to medicine, prescription drug pricing, and health systems equity. Alongside core community and Department of Health partners, Treatment Action Group helped convene stakeholders to draft initial hepatitis C elimination recommendations in 2016 and 17, and Annette later served on the Governor's Statewide Hepatitis C Elimination Task Force and Data Advisory Committee. She is a proud Bronxite and fierce advocate. Welcome, Annette. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and to diving into this issue. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get started. 
Let's start with each of you telling me a little bit about how you were involved with the elimination plan. Annette, what was it like to participate on the task force and what role did you play? So the role I played on the governor's task force was part of the data and metrics working group to draft recommendations regarding setting baselines, informing targets and metrics for outcomes that we want to achieve in our elimination efforts. I also served on a data advisory committee after the task force had convened and draft recommendations to kind of like get into the weeds around what that looked like and especially um, talking around what baseline we were going to be starting from because we wanted our efforts to be aligned with WHO global targets were, which involve um, reductions in incidence, mortality uh, related to viral hepatitis and also making sure that people get diagnosed and treated. So it was really exciting. I learned a ton from the work that I was doing. I would say probably my role, since I'm not a trained epidemiologist, was to sort of ask the question, what's missing, who isn't being included, you know, and to kind of bring an advocacy perspective to this. And also, I had contributed to some of the advocacy leading up to the governor appointing the task force and some of the the prep work involving it. So it it felt like a culmination of, of some work and the continuation of it. And Dr. Kerr, what about you? What role did you play on the task force and how was the experience for you? As one of the community co-chairs, I think my role was really to listen, to listen to people like Annette, who brought advocacy backgrounds and who people who brought consumer perspectives, people who brought policy or, as Annette alluded to, some of the statistical background that really could help inform things. And then just to make sure all those voices got heard and reflected in the work that we were doing. Another role that I could bring was really listening to everybody and bringing the clinical perspective, bringing the voices of patients that I've cared for, bringing the voices of clinicians who either are at some point along their way of their own hep C treatment journey. And so to, to bring those perspectives and the challenges that we face as people who are trying to get treatments out there in the community. I'm wondering, as a clinician, what your experience has been with the developments in hepatitis C treatment and how that's impacted your commitment to elimination. I grew up in upstate New York, and then when I moved here after my training in 2008, I saw that there was lots of people who had hep C, but the treatments were so difficult at that time and really hard to get. And so at that time, hardly anyone was treated, and those that were were cured less than half the time. It was very frustrating and discouraging. So just about that same time, the research on the direct acting antivirals really started heating up and New York State issued a grant funded program to develop a lot of the same support systems, a lot of the wraparound services that we built in our HIV program. So it was an easy transition for us to copy some of the things that had worked and bring them to a new group of patients. So it was perfect fit at the perfect time. And it really allowed us to care for so many patients going forward. So I think bringing that background and those voices of trying to bring people through the treatment process was just tremendously motivating at the time. As we've moved forward from that period, we've really seen many, many people get into care and getting them treated earlier in their diagnosis. The treatments are incredibly effective. As many people know, more than 98% of the people that start treatment get cured now. That's phenomenal. But we're still seeing the effect of a lot of stigma, a lot of problems with access and providers aren't necessarily doing our part enough. We're not offering enough testing. People aren't pursuing testing or if they've had a previous diagnosis, they're not necessarily feeling like they can access care efficiently. And there's still lots of barriers to making this easily accessible in the way that we want to. It's clear hearing from both of you that this was a monumental collaborative process. 
who else was involved or integral in the development and finalization process? Annette, can you tell us who you worked with and how your experience was with that collaboration? Sure. So actually really targeted, concerted community-led efforts to expand access to the wonderful HCV curative treatments that Dr. Kerr referred to started around 2014 when those, those cures were first FDA approved um, and became available because initially they were restricted to people who had um, severe liver disease. And there were also other restrictions such as sobriety requirements that prevented the people who needed the most from getting those treatments. So when in around 2015, Vocal New York, which which had been very involved in some of these efforts to remove treatment barriers, drafted a concept white paper looking at exploring the feasibility of a broad community-based a collaborative elimination process, what that could look like. And that really got people thinking and talking about, did we want to do something like this in New York State? What would that look like? How would we begin? And in 2016, Vocal New York, Housing Works, the National Harm Reduction Coalition, NATAP, and Treatment Action Group, and other community-based organizations began to have informal conversations with New York State DOH about what this could look like. And so it sort of developed from there. It was a very organic process of community advocacy around just getting access to the treatments, sort of leading people to look at what was the WHO was, uh, was talking about in terms of eliminating hep C as a global public health threat. Uh, what could New York State do um, around those efforts? How could we come together? And then DOH coming to the community as an equal partner to say, like, how can we collaborate around this? And then that sort of led to a statewide stakeholder convening in the fall of 2016 to draft some recommendations based on the framework that had been laid out in the white paper. And that culminated in a summit in Albany in February of 2017 with over 200 attendees to look at those recommendations and to, to talk about what we could be doing together. And that actually served as like the framework and the basis for the work that then the governor's task force picked up again later. And Dr. Kerr, you worked with the Department of Health. How do you see your input reflected in the plan and what was it like to collaborate on the other side? So I think one of the really remarkable strengths of the Department of Health, the AIDS Institute and the Hep C program specifically within that is that, and this really translated all the way through to the elimination plan, is just how truly representative this work is. And I think Annette really mentions this. And it's a really remarkable thing that everyone, the policymakers, the epidemiologists, the consumer advocates, the peers, providers, everybody's contributing equally. And that Everybody's really bringing a lot of heart to this discussion. It's something that people feel passionately about and are bringing true goals to get this moved forward on the state basis. But like Annette says, with the eye really to a bigger picture as well, how far can we spread this, this message and this, these improvements? So people bring all of their knowledge and experience, and it really was all heard in the creation of this plan. I think it was really satisfying and exciting to see. One thing that I think I can contribute as an upstate provider is reflecting how the challenges that some of our population in rural areas are facing. So throughout the state, there's incredibly high rates of substance use, isolation, health disparities, and people are often outside of the reach of services that would be available in more urban areas, and their voices aren't always heard as loudly. So things like access to care, transportation, dealing with stigma, how to build a community. There are, all these challenges are different in different geographic regions. And so having a diverse representation of voices from upstate, from downstate, from rural areas, from urban areas is incredibly important. We were able to, I think, see a much more diverse representation of these voices that can answer these specific challenges. 
Speaking to that collaboration, I think it's pretty safe to say that your commitment, passion, and support have helped move the needle. I love hearing about the achievements that have been made along the way, and I don't want to dampen that message, but I'm wondering if you can describe additional barriers that stand in our way and what can we do to break them down? Christine? From my perspective, one of the biggest areas I see is that hepatitis C testing, treatment, and evaluation are still not really in the purview of primary care on a widespread basis. I always say to my students and residents that I work with that treating hep C is easier than treating blood pressure. The meds are simpler, the testing is straightforward, and then people get better. And it's so satisfying. And I really love seeing people who have lived with hep C for a long time get treated. Then once people start realizing they're making their health better, you can see differences in the blood work right away. People start recommitting to their health in new ways. So they'll stop smoking, start exercising, do all these wonderful things. And I think it's because it's tremendously freeing to take this huge step for your health and then see it work. There's very few things in life that we get a chance like this. But despite this, despite how easy it is to get treatment, to get it out there, to get it, have it work, we're still not doing enough of it. And especially, I think New York State is really at the vanguard of this, but across the country and in more rural areas, we just really need to get more people tested and treated and get them into care at a higher rate. Easier testing will definitely help with this. Patient navigation and linkage to care will help. But I think a lot of the burden is us on us as providers, and we all need to be seeing testing and treating as a really routine part of primary care. And We're not there yet. Annette, do you agree? Do you have any additional barriers to add or thoughts about how they can be addressed? Fullheartedly agree. We need more providers. I think the doctor really laid it out very well. This is a very satisfying and easy disease to treat. So we need to remove any bureaucratic red tape or, or burdens off of providers to make it easier. We also need to work to remove stigma in the provider community against treating the most vulnerable populations and the most marginalized populations that includes people who are actively using illicit substances. You know, we have all the evidence in the world showing that uh, folks, all kinds can be successfully treated with the medications that we have. So, you know, let's get to it. I think New York State is uniquely positioned to provide that clinical medical education and continuing medical education and support of expert providers to bring more providers into the fold. But we kind of need a whole of society effort to really make that happen. I think there are different challenges for underserved communities, as the doctor laid out, in rural areas and in urban areas, but we could all benefit from, you know, removing barriers to licensing primary care sites so that we can see upstate, for example, at substance user health hubs, confirmatory diagnostics, and perhaps treatment initiation in those hubs for folks. Um, getting it outside of the FQHC centers and just expanding it. We, we have programs in New York City now that are starting to provide that diagnostics and that care at harm reduction sites and have been very, very successful. So what can we do to bring that to other places? So we have to address barriers to care for people who use drugs, for those experiencing homelessness. We have to address racism and stigma in the healthcare system. It's everything all at once, but we can do it. So, you know, I'm excited to get into the next phase of this. Following the release of the New York State Hepatitis C Elimination Plan in November of 2021, the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene released a separate plan to eliminate hepatitis C in the city by 2030. 
the soon-to-be-launched National HEP Elimination Initiative is also gaining traction. Perhaps for the first time, we have effective treatment, a statewide plan for elimination, and increasing awareness of the problem at hand. Annette, I'm curious, do you think we're at a tipping point? If not, what's missing and where do we go from here? Not sure if we can say we're at a tipping point because unfortunately COVID-19 has set back so many public health goals. I think we're really talking about getting back on track and there's some work that needs to happen for that. And we're, we're not clear of the current challenges of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. However, everything is coming together now, right? And New York State is now starting to convene some regional sessions around elimination planning, which is exactly what needs to happen, bringing together stakeholders locally to talk about their specific conditions to solve problems together. So I'm really excited for for that to begin. I think everything is where we need to be, but we need more resources and we need consistent resources and resources that we don't have to fight for every year. Right now, and historically, both in New York City and New York State, we've had to sort of fight for our budget line item every year. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of resources and capacity from communities that are already super, super stretched. So if we could have dedicated funding, increased funding to meet needs, you know, we've been asking for $10 million per year from the state for years before we even really started engaging elimination efforts that should just automatically be in the budget so that we can start moving forward. We need that. One of the other things that we need to address is the ongoing overdose epidemic and the devastating impacts that that's that is having. One of the recommendations in the task force plan is overdose prevention centers. You know, that's finally happening in New York City. And we've already seen dozens of lives saved in like a matter of a couple of weeks. So I would love to see those, you know, serious consideration and beginning of looking at how we could implement that intervention in outside of New York City. So yeah, there's definitely more that we can be doing, but we're well poised to make those things happen. I love the positivity in your answers in that. <laughs> Dr. Kerr, anything to add? Where are we going from here and how do we actually eliminate hepatitis C? There's still lots to be done. I really do believe we can eliminate hep C in the city, the state, nationwide, but it's going to take concerted effort and it's going to take all hands on deck, just like Annette said. From my perspective, we really need continued education for providers on this. It needs to start early and it needs to be consistent and we need support around that. Like There's so many wonderful resources in New York State need to get them out and make people feel really comfortable with treating. Need great support around linking people to care and treating them in the setting that they're in. If using the technology that's available to make that more accessible and widespread, such as dried blood spot testing for RNA and rapid testing for screening for hep C. We also need to make people feel comfortable when they do access care. So training providers on trauma-informed care, training providers on harm reduction practices much more widely. To, and all of these efforts will then reduce stigma, make people engage in care much more effectively. And then we can really get people into treatment and prevent as we treat more people. At a really crucial point as provider, we can either opt to create more inclusive, diverse practices that bring patients' whole selves into the picture, or we can stay behind and, and not catch up. And I think that's the tipping point that we're at. I do think that a lot of these logistical issues that bring things right to where patients are and get the care to them in the way that's easiest for them, whether it's these technologic things like the testing, whether it's telemedicine, the changes in electronic record, all of these things are really important. And I think all contribute to reducing barriers. And then just like Annette said, we need lots of resources to keep our patients safe for the future. 
good harm reduction practices, safe injecting sites, strong liaisons with mental health and substance use treatment programs, patient navigators, all these things are tools that we have that are incredibly effective and that we need to get out there and, and have utilized. So it would be all of these things are currently available to some people, but it'd be amazing if we can get them available to everybody. It really would shift things dramatically. Before we close today's episode, I'd like to give each of you a few minutes to tell our audience your three key takeaways. They can be from the elimination plan itself, your experience in its development, or something else completely different. Dr. Kerr? For the three points, I'd like to talk about the patients, the providers, and the policymakers. So for the patients, I would encourage anybody who's living with this to find a provider that can really work with you on this. And don't take no for an answer. You can get treated and make a difference and you can feel a lot better once you're treated as well. So find a provider that will help you get to the best health that you can. And if you're facing challenges around hepatitis C and have questions about prevention, treatment, follow-up, then bring them to your provider or find one who can answer those for you. And if it's not brought up to you, then bring it up and be an active participant in that as well. And for providers, I feel like there's no excuse now. Test your patients, treat them, and make sure you're talking to them about harm reduction for everyone. And don't let stigma influence who you're talking to. For our policymakers, I think funding this is incredibly important moving forward. As Annette mentioned, we're at a spot where we have a disease that has severe lifelong effects that can be cured on a widespread basis. We don't have much like this in medicine or public health, and this is our moment. We've learned a lot in the past few years about access to care, about models of health and unusual circumstance, and about how important public health is. So let's capitalize on this moment and make a difference for everybody that's affected by hepatitis C. Annette, what are your three takeaways from today's conversation? So these are my takeaways from sort of the whole experience of engaging in hepatitis C elimination. And I think they're especially for folks outside of New York State, all the jurisdictions that are already doing elimination work and for those who haven't started and are considering it. But I think they also apply to just public health generally. So I would say first, it was a great reminder of the principle of centering nothing about us without us, really centering directly impacted people and peers, valuing them as experts and treating them as such and giving them not just an equal place at the table, but really centering what they're telling us and following their lead. It was also a great reminder of the power of convening, just the fact of getting everybody in the room together and starting to talk like that's what you need to do. That's the beginning of everything. And that's everything flows from that. So taking uh, care and providing special attention to the barriers faced by those directly impacted by being flexible, being open and being consistent. But as soon as people are in the room together, I saw this, I'll never forget, like in November when we had gathered in Albany for the first sort of face-to-face meeting of all our different working groups and the governor's task force. There were epidemiologists and data experts from New York City, and they were epidemiologists and data experts for the state. And the state folks were like, so how do you do the thing that you guys do that we need to be doing statewide? I was like, well, let me tell you. And the work just immediately began. So that's what we need to see. And then finally, I would say transparency is key for accountability. Public processes, public targets, public metrics are essential. Reporting that data back out to the public and to communities is critical for everything. Having a dashboard, and we do have a dashboard now, I think it's hcbdashboardny.org so that folks, you know, once we get the metrics out there, can follow our progress and see what's going on and we can correct course. You know, that's something that we saw with the HIV ETE efforts work very, very well. Any jurisdiction, any health system that's 
engaging in elimination needs to speak to the public and be as transparent as possible. And it'll just benefit all of us. So I'm positive because I'm excited and because I think we need to enter this with enthusiasm so that we can get the momentum and, and bring the energy that's needed for this big, big task. And excited to see things go forward. Thanks, Annette. I should point out here that the elimination plan outlines five key principles, including prevention, access to care and treatment, testing and linkage to care, surveillance, data, and metrics, and social determinants of health. It further defines priority populations and settings to ensure those most at risk are placed at the front and center of elimination efforts to help achieve World Health Organization targets of reducing new chronic infections by 90% and mortality by 65% by the year 2030. Thanks to Annette and Dr. Kerr for talking with me today and to all our listeners out there joining us. Hepatitis C infection is treatable with new direct-acting antivirals intended to clear the virus from the body, and we now have a statewide plan for its elimination. Yet as we heard today, factors such as stigma, access to care, and knowledge gaps are holding us back. We hope today's episode serves as a call to action to all of our listeners. We can eliminate hepatitis C from New York State if we continue to work together to achieve our shared goals. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time for a new episode of Conversations with CEI. Visit us at ceitraining.org and follow us on CEI social media platforms.